Greetings! Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Follow us on Twitter at at clergylay, at clergylay, C-L-E-R-G-Y-L-A-Y. And join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Kirk. This is our first podcast that we are recording in person. We are not staring at a screen. <laughs> uh, we are in, well, we are staring at a screen, but we are not staring at each other through a screen. We are actually in the flesh, recording from our father's house here in Ely, Minnesota. And our, uh, if, if, if we hear uh, little voices uh, in the background... Those Which are, is quite likely. It's quite likely. <laughs> uh, we're in, in his study and the kids are playing go fish at the table. So you probably won't hear voices. You'll hear acrimonious squeals and screams uh, if you hear something. But uh, the, the cousins are together. Uh, it's delightful. We are in the, mm. um, near the end of, of a wonderful vacation, which we talked about a little bit. Yeah. It's gone uh, great so far. The kids love being together. Um, we had a good time on Lake Superior, uh, got to see waterfalls and, and swim and, uh, life is good. Uh, it's fun having everybody together, but it's chaos. It's chaos. Uh, what was the line that we just heard, uh, f- uttered from the other room? Uh, we heard, uh, grandpa say to one of the grandchildren, no, we're not going to play with matches. <laughs> Those are the sort of things that, that you hear with, with kids are, I mean, our kids aren't that young, but I mean, this could have been the 12 year old. This yeah. could have been the four year old uh, playing with matches and having grandpa admonish them. No, we're not going to play with matches. Doesn't that sound like a mid 2000s Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn like line? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't play with matches. It's like a daddy daycare line. Like right, yes. Daddy's kind of at the at the end of his rope. He's not used to watching the kids all day. And, and he's like, nope, we're not going to. Nope, those knives. Stop juggling the knives. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been it's been great. Uh, the uh, We spent, what, three, four days at a, at a resort on the, on the shores of Lake Superior. And it was a fun mix of doing stuff around the resort. Uh, the swimming pool, shuffleboard, which you affectionately called shuffle puck. I wanted to play some shuffle puck. <laughs> Sue <right>. me. <laughs> and uh, and also a, a mix of um, beautiful Minnesota state parks mm-hmm. and and hiking to waterfalls and even at one point swimming. To me, one of the one of the high points of this week, Christopher, was swimming at the base of a waterfall. Yeah, jumping in and immediately you have to start swimming because the current begins tugging you downstream. And I know this was a point of pride for both you and me, really unprovoked, without any encouragement from either of us. Uh, uh, your your oldest child, Jordan, who's nine, and uh, my my th- my three boys, um, nine, ten, and twelve, all with without being uh, provoked, uh, just jumped in <laughs> and mm-hmm. tried to swim across the river um, against a, an intense current mm-hmm. and ultimately succeeded. Uh, some with some help, where I was really really proud of that. It was yeah, very cool. But <laughs> if they had the choice, I, I would imagine at least one or, or more of them would not have swam back but they had no choice because they were on the other side of the river yes that's the so thing. your, your, you your eldest did not want to swim back but he faced his fears and he did uh i mean his, there's kind of this look of panic on his face yeah. as he's working and, and we had we had dad down river like to catch them if they got too, too far yeah there was sort of a rapids um the, the current really picks up where it got shallow and there were some rapids and our father was was standing down there their, their grandfather is standing there waiting for them in case things got bad and they, they got truly swept down river. Um, I think we have some footage of that that we can uh, we can throw up on the on the Facebook page and maybe um, also uh, post that on Twitter as well. That could be could be super fun. 
this is where they are really good for each other, where they love to show off to their cousins that they are not afraid. And, and yes. they're tremendously good influences that uh, were her cousins not there. I don't know if Jordan would have been so uh, excited to just, just leap in. And and uh, likewise, my rock. oldest son as well. Um, had there not have been the cousin there um, to, to encourage and, and to, impress. <laughs> and tomorrow we'll be up at our cabin and... We'll go up to, uh, weather permitting, uh, I haven't looked at the weather, but we'll go up to this uh, island, this wonderful island up there that, that uh, at its peak has, um, it's great, it has a slanted rock, so you can kind of pick your your height that you, that you want. So you can jump off at three feet, if that's, if, if you're, and especially young kids, as they're building up the courage, they can start low and jump into the lake, and it slants up, you can go three feet, um, high to, to five feet to seven feet to, and probably at, at its peak is maybe 12 feet i guess yeah um when you're up there it feels like more than 12 feet and especially if you're a kid you know it, it, it you feel awesome you feel like you're jumping off an apartment building or something but and then the island next to it uh is is the one that's probably 25 feet uh you could probably go higher you could probably jump from 30 feet uh if we've done that it's been years since we have and and Kirk always likes to prove that he uh, he still is 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 a young man. <laughs> Takes a while to psych himself up, but he 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 jumps off of Burnt Island, and it's it's great. It's tradition. Yeah, I mean, Burnt Island is great because it's it's one of those heights where it's it's legitimately cliff diving. Because if you do it more than five times in a day, the next day there's spots in your body that are um, that are sore from just. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hit the water with sufficient speed that if you you don't enter enter cleanly, right. like the under the underside of underarms get slapped, your lats get slapped. If you're kind of if if you kind of twist as you enter in, um, your chest can get slapped. So it's a it's a thrill. It's a rush. Well, um, a lot of people kind of involuntarily hoot or holler or <laughs> yell or scream when they enter in. So it's it, it is quite the adrenaline rush. It's a lot of fun. It's it's great. I mean, it's it's a sufficient height, at least for me, where uh, the, to go off of it, you have to actually just have a moment of I don't care. Like I, you have to I, I, disassociate is probably the wrong word, but you have to kind of kind of it's a it's a weird thing that you have to do mentally to 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 jump in because it seems like you're a mile up, and it seems like you're in the air for at least a minute as you're yes waiting yes. to hit the water well and it's all it's also so fun when you're up there with people and you see you see, you see when you're slightly afraid i feel like your face is a, a deeper window into your emotions your heart you watch people and you watch various things flicker across their face indecision resolution fading resolution fear swallowing down the fear some people count some people don't count and they just wait for that spontaneous moment when they're like, what the heck? And then they go, right? Um, uh, I'm trying to think, who do we know that counts down? Um, there have been times when we've gone together and we do the count. To me, that feels like a steel trap of inevitability. I wait for like the, the spontaneous sensation to rise up slowly in my gut. And then I just go. So it's that's a, that's a lot of fun. It is. It <laughs> is. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to time at the cabin together. Time at the cabin with cousins. Um, so many memories wrapped up there and this may be our last, uh, time there. Uh, well, I guess we said that last time where, but yeah, pop-ups yeah. memorial is going to be there next June. Uh, our, uh, uncle John has a place down the lake, um, not in the park. And, and so we will continue to visit him. I, I just want to share a, a brief memory, uh, that's seared in my, in to my consciousness. I don't even remember where we were going, but, uh, our family was always frugal, so we didn't do a lot of boating on the lake. But for John, you know, we had to have a destination in mind. Right. And, and maybe only once or twice during a trip would we actually spend a lot of time because boat, it's expensive. And uh, But but for John, a lot of the fun is being on the lake, having your boat, going up to, to a destination or maybe, maybe even no destination, just running the boat around the lake. And so we were coming back from somewhere, I think, and uh, John just stopped the boat in the middle of the lake, took off his shirt, uh, opened up the window to the front of the boat and jumped off the front of the boat. <laughs> yeah. Just very spontaneously. <laughs> uh, and I was like, that's like, well, like, wow, like, look at this guy. This is so cool. And and, ever, and other people were inspired. Uh, but John was wearing a swimming suit. But Nana was not. But she was so inspired. Uh, I mean, she must have been early 60s. Mm. 
she takes off her clothes since she doesn't have a swimming suit and skinny dips and just jumps in. No, the middle it of the would lake. have been later than early sixties, right? Because that would have meant twenty five years ago. She would have been probably about seventy. In her seventies. You think this was post accident? Anyhow, anyhow, I know. Anyhow, we story. were yes. in a boat that. Uh, <laughs> well, there are two boats. Uh, John's boat is a little is a little bit better as far as uh, uh, being a. a a boat for lake activities. Right. Like he had a ladder, which is a pretty important it thing. It was fast. It had a great motor. You could get, yep. But our family boat was like a 1960s vintage thing. Right. And um, that's the one that Nana had to get back no into. Ladder. No, no ladder. No ladder. And in fact, when we jump off a of burnt <laughs> island, uh, it, it's quite a thing to like hoist your body back into the boat uh, without, you know, stepping on the motor, which you don't want to do. It's, it's, Which it takes a lot of upper body strength. We've it's, done before. I think yeah, I've climbed yeah, up the motor before. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's hard. Anyway, Nana could not get up. She could not get back into the boat. And two of her sons had to push her naked bottom <laughs> from below to get her back in the boat. But um, that, that was Nana. She loved the lake. Mm. And um, she... And it was worth it. It was worth it, yeah. <laughs> For her, at least. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun memories. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'd say let's uh, let's start that gospel segment. What do you say, Christopher? Let's do it. So we've been in Matthew 13 last week. We looked at the uh, parable of the sower. And uh, we are, are going to stay in Matthew 13 and do the parable of uh, the English Standard Version calls it the parable of the weeds. Uh, back in the day, I've heard it referred to as the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Or uh, the wheat and the tares is kind of the classic uh, name for it. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, and an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, uh, it's interesting, in these very few parables, back to back, we actually get an explanation. So we don't have to sit around scratching our heads, because the disciples, much like us, are like, uh, can you explain this? And Jesus, uh, in his generosity, de decides to explain the parable to them. And uh, in, in this parable, it's pretty clear that, that uh, in the midst of the church, uh, it is tempting to look around and and to point out and say, look at that person that like that like th they they do not belong. Now, it's it's we don't want to take that to that logic too far to the point where we say we don't judge at all. So when Jesus says do not judge, uh, we are not to sit in his judgment seat and kind of decide who's in and out that's not our job um but but as far as judging uh uh what is the righteous path and and lovingly guiding uh, others on that that's a pretty important thing that's something uh we should never use do not judge as cover to uh 
for our own sin to say, well, don't, don't, don't judge me. And that's a, that's a pretty common thing to say, you can't judge me. Uh, that's a very uh, contemporary secular thing is, is that like, well, who are you to judge me? Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But what he is saying is that uh, it's not our job to root out those who belong, uh, who don't belong. That in fact, there will be people around us uh, who uh, are in churches who, I mean, it's this is pretty clear that the devil puts them there to kind of cause trouble. And uh, we have this, this, the same quote from, from last week. He who has ears, let him hear. Yes. Yeah. That, that is, that is, uh, when Jesus repeats himself, we should really pay attention. Uh, those of you who have ears, hear. Um, uh, and continue to hear uh, th this these words of Jesus. And, and that may seem very obvious, uh, but but the fact that Jesus continues to say this, um, you who have ears, hear. You you who who have have uh, m these minds that understand uh, the secrets of the kingdom. Uh, that's a tremendous gift. And and keep your ears open and keep your eyes open, and and continually seek. Uh, these great things of these seek first the kingdom seek the kingdom uh and ultimately i mean this this uh this parable talks about the judgment and that's something that we uh in our contemporary culture are very uncomfortable with mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's interesting that progressive christians love matthew 25 and matthew 25 is a is a powerful teaching from Jesus where, where we have the separating of the, the sheep from the goats and, and uh, ultimately the way that they are separated is um, how did you treat the least of these, those who are hungry, those who are naked, those who, those who lacked, uh, did you provide for them? Because Jesus says, if you did for the, if you did so much for the least of these, you did this for me. Jesus is saying anything you do. And, and I think about this all the time when someone is in need um just the other day in Duluth, uh, we ran into this kid who was kind of going car to car, uh, a teenager uh, who seemed a bit lower functioning, told us he lived in a group home, uh, was just kind of uh, – he had walked up and he was very far away and he wanted to ride home. And he was thirsty. It was a hot day. And I thought about Matthew 25 as I took a drink from my cooler and gave it to him. Mm. Uh, now, he also wanted me to – pay for a taxi for him home. And he acknowledged that he was <laughs> too lazy to actually walk home and he'd gone away. And I was like, well, let's call the house. Let's let's like, they can mm -hmm. come get you. And he's like, no, I'm supposed to be responsible and walk home. So, I mean, I didn't drive him home, but I, I thought of Matthew 25 as I provided a cold drink uh, for this young man on a hot day, this guy who's miles uh, and maybe an hour from home. Uh, but there, the, the, Progressive loves love this because there's compassion here, but ultimately Matthew 25 is a parable of judgment. Mm -hmm. that, that that some are and, and here again the weeds are thrown into a fiery furnace, and we uh, you know this is not metaphorical. We should take this very seriously. And those who have ears hear, and 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 I hope this this uh, doesn't make you. Uh, we wrestle with this. We wrestle with the idea of judgment and and a loving God, but ultimately this should. Give us a new missionary zeal um, to, to fling wide the doors of the kingdom and welcome all in. Uh, because it's the, the, the truth of the kingdom is that it's both radically exclusive and radically inclusive. Um, it's radically exclusive because Jesus is the only way. Um, the Bible is, is clear about that. Uh, but it's radically inclusive in that it's available to everybody. Um, everybody who, who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and, uh, the last thing I want to say is, uh, there's a wonderful hymn that is based on this parable. Yes. And the, yes. The, the, the unfortunate thing is that this hymn is, is kind of, uh, you know, an actor can be typecast in a certain <laughs> type of role. This hymn is, is kind of like abide with me. It unfortunately has been, yes. has, has been reserved for funerals. The, the hymn, Come Ye Thankful People Come, is thought of as as, as a Thanksgiving hymn. Yeah. And in fact, we, we have a, a mutual friend who's a priest who uh, at their church, they never sing it because he just thinks it's cheesy. And all he can picture is is pilgrims with like buckle hats. And <laughs> I was like, no, like this is, this is a tr tremendously biblical yeah. thing. 
and and as we and this I, is a great preacher and teacher. It's such yeah. an arbitrary position so to take. Arbitrary. Yeah, but um, the the thing about uh, about the, the the kingdom is as much as today we may struggle with the idea of of, of people being thrown into the fire. Um, the good news is that so many are welcomed in, and so coming thankful people uh, come. Um, it, it is it is both um a hymn of the kind of cosmic harvest of 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 God welcoming people in. But I mean, there, there are def certainly like agricultural aspects of this too. So, so it does fit with Thanksgiving, but ultimately it's like, if you were to pick one theme, it's not the literal harvest of wheat. It oh, is the, right. the harvest right. of souls coming in. Um, second verse, wheat and tares together sown uh, unto joy or sorrow grown. First the blade and then the ear, then the full corn shall appear. Lord of harvest grant that we, wholesome grain and pure may be amen yes so it talks about corn um but ultimately like that's a metaphor for for us as as, as uh well, that's a goofy i've always i don't mean to knock you off your point i always got a huge kick out of king james translated wheat as corn continually yes <laughs> like when they break the sabbath yeah, it's all grains. they're breaking off ears of corn which now that we understand the Columbian exchange we, we realize there was no corn in the 11th in the first century but can but continue yes mm -hmm. yeah uh Verse three, for the Lord our God shall come and shall take his harvest home from his field shall in that day all offenses purge away. Um, give his angels charge at last in the fire the tares to cast. So that's that langu old language rather than weeds, it's tares. But um, we, we see a direct quote from, from, this, uh, for, from this parable. But the fruitful ears to store in his garner evermore and then the, the fourth verse uh, and this fits well at, at the end of the year as we're in christ the king yeah. um sunday and in in and then also advent the and advent theme. is just on the horizon yeah and the fourth verse even so lord quickly come bring thy final harvest home gather thou thy people in free from sorrow free from sin there forever purified in thy presence to abide come with all thine angels come raise the glorious harvest home i cannot sing this hymn without tears in my eyes it's it's mm. it's beautiful um uh that the lord is is going to return and um and uh all sorrows all offenses all those things gone free from sorrow free from sin um come lord jesus come yeah amen um at my parish uh, we we do this as the offertory hymn uh, for for several Sundays um, leading into uh, in in November as we approach Christ the King um, because you've got the like like you said you've got this um, do double meaning so yes we are in the season of harvest mm -hmm. and so and we're we, celebrating we, the harvest we, we yeah. do celebrate celebrate that as well and as we anticipate Thanksgiving but also it's got. Um, the fourth verse really makes explicit the eschatology behind this. And um, and Advent is on the horizon in which we look to the skies and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And we we plead it and we cry. And uh, this hymn does a great job, a great job doing that. Uh, I, I have a couple thoughts that I, that I wrote down here. I When I read this passage, when I read the sheep and the goats, and Matthew, Matthew doesn't... Uh, I have to think that Matthew makes universalists squirm. Mm. I just wonder, I, I don't have answers. I only have a question here. I wonder what universalists do with this passage. You know, um, you and I both have a beloved philosophy professor, Dr. Trammell, mm -hmm. who would every so often give his chapel address, um, and the college permitted him to do so, um, making sort of a, a genteel, humble plea for universalism. And I remember he, he, he did parse the parable of the sheep and the goats, um, and and parse it in a way that he felt made universalism plausible, um, and yet I read this and uh, and and I just I don't see the plausibility of that, um, and and we uh, it, it, gave, it made me think about how I'm not the first person to observe this. This has been often observed by many people. Uh, we we typecast Jesus. We we allow Jesus to wear one or two or three mm -hmm. of our favorite hats, mm -hmm. right? So we have the forgiving Jesus or the good shepherd Jesus. Um, or we all have different Jesuses that that we that we go to and at whose feet we collapse, and that's the Jesus that we want for us. And uh, we we also need to remember that uh, that in Revelation, 
um, Jesus has eyes of fire and a sword in his mouth mm. when he comes again in judgment. And I think C.S. Lewis captures this both and aspect of Jesus, that Jesus is the good shepherd and he is the judge who at all things will cast the tares into the fire um, because Jesus is a lion, right? Aslan. And there's the, the famous line, famous line uh, where one of the children asks um, about Aslan, is he safe? And uh, hmm. one of the characters chuckles, oh, no, 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 he's not safe at all. He's a lion, but he's good. And so our, our Christ, our Lord, um, yes, he's the good shepherd. Yes, he's, it is his arms, as we talked about last week. Um, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I shall refresh you. Um, he is that. Um, but he is also the lion whose roar will set all things aflame and will purge all things away at the last. So um, lest, we, lest we typecast him in that way. I'm also reminded of St. Augustine and Luther in, in looking at this. Uh, and, and Luther, I believe, got this concept from St. Augustine. Uh, the concept of the invisible church versus the visible church. So we have the visible church. Um, and that is the gathered body of believers who um, uh, hear the word and receive the sacrament. Uh, and yet among the gathered body of believers, there are weeds. And uh, Christopher, you said it's not our job to, to, to speculate, but it's true. And um, because our Lord says it so. And so there is this invisible church, which is which which shall be shall be clear at that day. Um, St. Augustine. Uh, thought about this in Platonic terms, that the visible is um, is is a shadow of the invisible church that will be made plain plain at the end when the when the tears tears are are cast into the fire. Um, I think that's uh, that's I'm looking at my notes here. That's all all I had written down. It's interesting that these last two parables, uh, he's he's explained mm -hmm. <laughs> the parable of the sower yeah. and this because there are other places. Well, is it in Mark? Where he said, I should have looked this up, where at one point he says to his disciples, I speak to you in parables so that you won't understand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. And then there are other times when here where he's 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 been kind. Well, that, 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 he says that here. He said, um, the disciples asked him, why do you speak in parables? And he answered them to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given, and yeah. he will have an abundance. So it doesn't say specifically that uh, I'm saying uh, I'm using. Oftentimes, we think of parables as ways to clarify. Where Jesus says in Mark that yes. that he uses parables to obscure. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. So wasn't there the, the the I think it it might not be as in vogue as it was a hundred years ago. The concept of the Mark and secret, mm -hmm. right? Um, that that things were. Um, hidden until the very end, until the mm -hmm. final week in which he kind of made plain. Uh, but that's that's sort of straying from from where we are. Any any final thoughts before we move on to our culture segment? Let's let's move on. Let's do our culture segment. So for our culture segment today, we wanted to talk about the power of memory and the importance of memory uh, in community formation, in individual formation, in narrative formation, and finally, uh, in, in Jewish and ultimately Christian formation. You and I, Christopher, this past week, have been walking in the shadow of some powerful memories that go back very deeply, both in our lives, into our childhoods, into our father's childhood, into our grandfather's childhood. And um, 
I don't mean in a spooky way, but we are we are walking around ghost haunted groves. Uh, we are we are walking um, in some some deep memory banks um, when we come up here to the North Woods uh, for us as individuals and as Habermans. And uh, so I, I wanted to start the segment by first of all talking about um, us as humans. Um, there there's several markers of humanity that make us dif- different from all other beasts. Uh, anthropologists seem to think that we are the we are the only species that that is able to contemplate our mortality so no other species makes decisions um, wondering uh, when will i die numbering their days we do that uh, we look up at the stars and wonder how we got here where we come from where we're going no other species does that um, we are also anthropologists tell us uh, powerfully shaped by memory and memory shapes and binds communities and we transmit memories to generation to generation in very shaping ways and, and narrative forms us um, quite powerfully. Uh, this is a, a deeply theological concept for, first for Jews in the Old Testament. It informs, as you and I were talking, it deeply informs the festivals and the way they were to observe festivals, the Jewish liturgical calendar, and informs us as, as Christians as well. We've inherited those patterns, certainly from Jews, and our Christian calendar we, we uh, memory powerfully cha- shapes us and the way we reenact these events that we receive and we retell. And in fact, there's an important, um, and you can tell us about this, Christopher, um, you having gone to seminary and being a clergy, important uh, uh, theological concept that informs the way we worship in our liturgy and amnesis. And I'm sure you'll, you'll want to get into that. Um, Christopher, do you have any kind of thoughts as we begin this discussion about uh, the, for- the importance of memory in our Christian formation? Yeah, I would start uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. Amen, yes. uh, With the the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build. Um, and, and it goes on. Um, this is this is a, a liturgy that they're being given mm-hmm. um that, that you are to repeat this um like these words that i'm giving you uh, as a way to remember who your god is and we have all these jewish festivals um the passover what was this annual memory to remember the lord um rescuing them from from egypt um this wasn't just like god rescued them Congratulations! It's an <laughs> annual, an annual um, memorial, um, and and there were all these Jewish festivals. Um, you know, some were, were certainly more important than others, but um, you know, I guess uh, sometime someday we'll talk about uh, Christopher Guest. They have uh, there's a wonderful um, Christopher <laughs> Guest movie um, where uh, where they discuss Purim. Uh, what, what, what movie am I thinking of? So it's a that's mm, a that's uh, a very funny catching Christmas. me off guard, uh, but but anyway, Purim, <laughs> Purim is 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 a, a a festival remembering God's delivery, uh, God's deliverance of them, um, uh, as as recorded in the Book of Esther. Um, yes. and, and again, like God delivered them, and they remembered this with this annual festival. Hanukkah uh, is is mm. a a festival of memor- You know, Christians know a lot about Hanukkah because it lands near Christmas. Um, but in and fact, because like, Adam Sandler taught us about it, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Hanukkah is, is a, a memorial of, of God's faithfulness in restoring the kingdom um, in, in, in the um, Maccabean revolt. And, um, and, and so our heritage is one of, of, of remembering. And of course it was on the festival of Passover that we were given um, that this, Holy Communion, the sacrament, um, and, and so we, we emphasize how it's a sacrament and how Christ is present in that sacrament. Um, but it, it, and we we emphasize that apart from memorial, p- 
pure memorialists who believe that it's only a memory. But so, but we don't want to to divorce those two. Like it is also a perpetual uh, memorial to Christ and His sacrifice for us. So uh, every time we gather for Holy Communion, we remember Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. And the liturgy that we have when we do Holy Communion, um, it, we do more than just the words of institution. Um, that, that There's a, this That's long right. Eucharistic prayer before then. And no matter what form you use for the Eucharistic prayer, it tells the story yes. of, 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 of what God has done. So that in the rest of our liturgical service, we have readings and, and different things. But at least once you get to hear the whole story. God created everything and called it good we fell into sin and death god sent his son jesus in his mercy um to to be for us the sacrifice for our sins uh, that story is told in the eucharistic prayer and we've i'm sure we've defined the word liturgy before that it is the work of the people and that as god's people gather on the lord's day for worship for word and sacrament um that we have a liturgy we have this this work that we do together on um, worshiping our god and and that forms us so i'm pretty sure i i use the the, the latin phrase lex orandi lex credendi and how our the law of prayer is the law of believing um and that's why liturgy is so important to us that um the way that we pray the liturgy that we do when we gather um the, the prayers those form us they form our faith and so the, the final uh phrase of that latin uh, lex orani lex credendi lex vivendi so the way that we pray the 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 just like the the uh, the jewish people were given the shema um so that that would form them to remember who God is and what he has done. Uh, and, and I kind of cut off this the, the, the reading, but... Uh, well, you cut it off because it begins to do exactly what it admonishes. It it tells retells the story. Yes. Tell your children this, and then tell them about how I did that. And, and tell, tell them about, them about uh, how God, I got angry, and, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want you to forget the Lord. That's right. <laughs> and it gives it a very, very, very great detail, which is very purposeful. Don't, mm -hmm. don't make the mistakes that your forefathers did. And, um, and so as we worship, um, that forms us. And so in this weird time where the church is dispersed, um, it's harder to do that. But um, it's harder to, you know, some churches uh, have, have reduced to just kind of a sermon. And again, we, we, we want the word. But, but uh, corporate worship, the, the, the gathering of the body uh, is really important. And, and the things that we do during that, that time when we gather is really important because memory, memory shapes us. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, so the, the the Greek theological word, and I am way in over my head. I only know that this is something that's important, and perhaps you can expound upon this. Is uh, anamnesis, um, and that is it's not just remembering, but it's something deeper. It's we are we are brought together and bound together by retelling the story and reenacting the story, and in doing so, this memory, this reenacted memory, shapes us. It shapes our souls. Um, it shapes us as a people. It gives us a common narrative, a common purpose, and we are drawn back to the foot of the cross again, and we marvel at uh, Christ's atoning sacrifice when all of this happens. And uh, it's, as I like to say, it creates grooves in our soul. Mm. And those grooves in our soul um, become reliable, and they are reliable pathways than when we are in periods of our life when we are in distress mm. or when we, we feel as if we have no hope or have no earthly solutions. And so all of that is very important. And if we don't intentionally, if we aren't intentional about a common narrative, um, default common narratives will begin to shape and form us. Uh, you and I, Christopher, have, have mused aloud, what do we call this new religion um, that seems to be sweeping uh, much, of, much of young America? Because a new religion is what it is. Um, and, uh, and there is an anamnesis, there is a new story that they're being told mm. about um, human sin, human transgression. We talked a little bit about it last week in Cancel Culture. Um, uh, what penance looks like, it's very bleak. <laughs> uh, penance is difficult. Uh, and, and new identities that you need to take on that are unlike the old evil identities and, uh, and so it's important if, if we don't want people to fall into the new religion that doesn't really have a name yet, I think we're all 
probably wokeism is is too much of a slur, too slanderous. It's probably not value neutral enough. If we if we want to pass on the faith that we've received from our forefathers, um, I think we need to be faithful about telling the story and uh, being formed by this common narrative together across generations. I I think that's that's probably really really important, and that is certainly what happens at Holy Communion explicitly there. What do you think, Christopher? Any yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I like the way you describe memory um, because a, as we articulate the Christian faith, there, there are certain things that, that pop out at us. And and at, at the church that I'm a pastor of, uh, we have articulated uh, our values as a church. And one of our values is that, that in Christ we have a new identity. Um, and, and that kind of stands apart from from the culture and what the and just the uh, what people take on. Uh, people take uh, take on ad- different identities. Uh, their their job, uh, or they want to be a great parent or a, a good spouse. Um, other identities are thrust on us, but mm-hmm. in Christ, uh, we have a new identity. And 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 the and the way that you kind of live out your new identity. Is is um, is is through this memory? Like, who are we? Who are we? Um, well, the, the scripture is clear about who we are. That we are Christ's treasure. That we belong to Him, mm. and that in Him we uh, we we have. You are uh, not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Yeah, and and so it, it requires. Uh, memory doesn't uh, isn't inside of you. Like it comes from with this identity is comes from without. Right. And and um, the way that we kind of uh, participate in that is is by looking to the Word of God and and hearing um, the story of who we are, uh, who God has revealed um, us to be in light of, of Him and us, and um, so so like that is a a, a perpetual um, thing that we do forever. We will we will look to the Word of God. Um, to, to to hear about who we are that's uh that's memory mm-hmm. that's that is memory yeah i i guess uh, one final thing that we should say is this is explicit our, our our lord invokes the concept of memory and the power of memory um at the last supper mm-hmm. do this as off as you as you um eat in remembrance of me mm-hmm. um, forgive me i'm, I'm mangling mm-hmm. those words of institution um in remembrance of me yes. right so he invokes the power of memory mm-hmm. um and we we, we like to talk about Holy Communion. We are sacramentalists here. And the, uh, there are many levels in which Holy Communion acts upon us. And um, sometimes I I, uh, I, I, I have um, caustic words for memorialists, but I but we need we need to acknowledge here that that memory is certainly a powerful mm-hmm. aspect of what happens at Holy Communion. Um, one final thing that we should say before we finish up this segment, is how memory shapes us through the through our annual walk through the church calendar, mm-hmm. right? We begin um, uh, in Advent. Um, we begin December first in Advent, or the first Sunday of Advent if it falls in November, and uh, we begin with um, remembering to watch and wait. And uh, and we go. We read these prophetic, wond- wondrous, terrifying, prof- uh, hopeful prophetic passages, right from Isaiah. And John the Baptist, um, and then uh, we, uh, during the season of Christmas, we uh, we we remember our Lord's nativity. Um, we walk through uh, those holy days of his his pre his circumcision, his presentation in the temple, his baptism, um, the season of Epiphany, his signs and wonders um, in Lent, his temptation in the desert, uh, in in uh, in Holy Week, um, time. We've talked about this, Christopher, how time grinds to a halt and we walk day by day. Um, one day equals one day in Holy Week um, mm-hmm. from Palm Sunday through uh, Easter Day. And the season of Eastertide as well, we we, re- we remember and we walk alongside his resurrection appearances. And so for an entire six months, we remember. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have these, these saints days and holy days in which we marvel at and remember holy men and holy women and give thanks to God for the example of their holiness. Um, and the uh, the godly inspiration that they provide to us, and so the very uh, our, our church here, the rhythm the rhythm of our life in that way, as we walk corporately together, is shaped by by memory, and we are shaped both communally and as individuals in that way. So that is that should powerfully and does powerfully work on us as well.
Um, think about the warmest feels that you get um, on Christmas Eve. Mm. Um, what if we did random readings every year of your life on Christmas Eve? And you didn't get to hear about the shepherds. I, d- and the I, I won't get. I won't get the reading from Luke. And and Mary That's treasuring horrifying. and Mary treasuring all these things in her heart. Um, would would we be so powerfully shaped, and have such devotion to our Lord's incarnation? Probably not, right? And there's something about the repetition of that memory, um, that that is powerfully shaping. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah. Um. Any. I think that's probably a good place to end. Any final thoughts on that? Nope. All right. Let's do let's do our culture segment. So for a culture segment, we want to talk about something lighter. Christopher, you and I, um, we have young children, and we both uh, caved and immediately subscribed to Disney+. And so we want to talk about, and we've been to Disney World, and our children have been to Disney World, and we want to talk about um, the power of Disney in our culture. Well, also, you're saying... One of these days is the 50 years. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday was the anniversary of uh, Disney World. Disney the World opening of Disney World. Yeah. Yep. So it's 50 years. as good a time as any to good assignments any to mark um, to, to think about Disney. Christopher, Disney certainly has been powerful in uh, your children's lives. Some of the uh, one of your favorite movies is a Disney movie, right? Moana. Yes. <laughs> I love Moana. Unironically. Yes, right. absolutely. Like, and, I, and I was a great Moana evangelist. I think I was shocked and scandalized that Kirk and Kim hadn't seen it. And uh, mm-hmm. one night after the kids were in bed a few years ago. What are we talking, 2018 maybe? 2017? Something like that. I don't know. I just out. turned yeah. it on so we would watch together. <laughs> and um, very quickly they, they showed it to their kids and have good memories of, of Daph- little two-year-old Daphne singing Moana songs mm-hmm. kind of absentmindedly. Like she would just break into song, Away, Away. She had, yeah, and she had this hand hand gesture that yes. went along with away away. The first uh the first song that I think I ever remember her little toddler voice ever <laughs> trying to sing was the no one knows. And I'm forgive me, listener. I, I don't I haven't listened to that in a while, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but she would sing the no one knows. I think that's what we she was trying to sing at like one. Yeah, and uh the the great uh, the great scene where they're uh, teaching how to passing on the tradition, mm. right? Passing on memory, yes. how to navigate, how Pacific Islanders navigated at night by the stars. Mm-hmm. Do you remember she would hold up her hand? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, listener, you can't see my gesture holding up my hand. But if you've seen the movie, you know precisely what we're talking about. Um, and that actually is a movie about memory and the importance of passing mm-hmm. on memories mm-hmm. and how community memories shape. Um, there's that great in, uh, in a way away. There's a, we. Um, Wow, what's the line? Um, we pass on the we um, we pass on the uh, the the the, uh, the teachings of our elders. I'm gonna look that up um for just a moment because that's actually worth sharing. Um, but Christopher, do you want to talk about um kind of the outsized role of Dis- Disney in our culture and how we're fortunate that it's not malignant? Mm. <laughs> it's actually a, a positively shaping force. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and this is one of those things where uh, you know Christian. I, I mean, I. Christian typology and Christian themes are found um, throughout their movies, e- even as like they're not explicitly Christian. Um, but uh, as as you uh, tackle powerful themes like identity or redemption and things like that, um, of course you're going to stumble across Christian uh, truth from Christianity. So what I've appreciated as a parent is just how reliable Disney is. Uh, the The 
TV channel, Disney Junior, um, compared to like Nick Junior. Mm. Nick Junior uh, had a lot of ads, and, and the, just the programming was really uneven. Where it's like any show on on Nick or on Disney Junior um, from Doc McStuffins. Right. I'm like, there's some quality uh, to it. Like I remember my wife liked this show, Doc McStuffins, where there's this uh, pre-K girl who's like a doctor to her stuffed animals but you learn like you got to drink water and when it's yeah. hot outside and 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 you learn different things and you learn not be afraid of you know of, of seeing a doctor and the, and the way like i that. would put it is all these shows exist in a recognizably moral universe mm -hmm. um where the characters strive strive to exhibit recognizably classical virtues mm -hmm. um uh they 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 have they they fail they stumble uh and and are formed by that in, in in ways that we want our kids to learn to be formed by by mm -hmm. mistakes and and uh, and to to strive in newness of life after that and i i would see, you and i've talked about how the comedy central and nick jr shows not C all comedy of those, central uh, not comedy central forgive me cartoon <laughs> network holy yeah. cap cartoon network and nick jr not all of the those shows targeted at children necessarily exist in a recognizably moral universe um in, in the way that, like you said, Doc McStuffins or Elena of Avalor or, um, or, or Lion Guard. Or what was the, what was the one that, uh, so you had, uh, your priest watch Daphne for a weekend and yes. like he discovered that he loved Sophia the first. Sophia. He was like, I actually like the show. There's this, this show aimed at, you know, three and four year olds and it's, it's, it's actually high quality. So, but, but also the, there, there are the Disney films, uh, are, are really remarkable in just that, I mean, their median film, like not even their best ones, are 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 such a high quality. Uh, Whereas we've built a movie library, you know, yeah, or maybe you don't buy every movie, but but when when there are movies that come out from other studios, from Sony Animation or DreamWorks, uh, they are hit and miss. <laughs> Every once in a while, they hit. Uh, in our family, we have affection for for Despicable Me and, and kind of the minions and uh -huh. stuff. Yeah. Um, and so every once in a while you get one outside of Disney that, that hits, but, but um, there's so many that are outside of Disney that are forgettable where uh, if Disney's going to release a movie, whether it's you know Moana or, you know, Frozen, um, they're so reliable, um, both in kind of teaching morals um, and, and tackling themes like identity and, and, and what strength looks like. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we want to raise a, a strong kids and, and self-reliant kids and, and, uh, resilient, so, resilient. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you find, uh, I did, I did find the line and this, this dovetails well with our segment on memory and, and the power and importance of memory as forming a community with a common vision and a common sense of self. So this is the line we, this is from the, the song, we know the way, uh, we read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night, we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are, right? The power of a common story is shaping the people, mm -hmm. right? The, the common identity of Pacific Islanders as, as, as uh, voyagers. Um, Next, uh, next uh, verse, we set a course to find, oh, this is the course. We set a course to find every, a brand new island everywhere we roam. We keep our island in our mind. And when it's time to find home, we know the way. And so we voyage out and yet home is a tether. We have a sense of gravity. We have a sense of self, a community identity. We, we go out and we come back to a common core. Um, last line, we are explorers reading every sign. We tell the story of our elders in a never ending chain. We know the way. And, uh, I mean, isn't that what we want to do as believers from generation, from one generation to another? We tell the story of our elders in a never ending chain. And this is what, isn't this what Paul, um, gives thanks for in his letter, uh, in his epistle, in his letter to Timothy, right? Um, I give thanks to the, uh, to, to, um, I give thanks for that faith, which was passed on to you by these faithful women, right? Um, and so this, this is a very, a very Christian theme. Uh, I, I also want to, want to be thankful. I want to give thanks to, to uh, Walt Disney for being someone who understood the power of imagination, um, and the enriching and very human aspect of imagination. C.S. Lewis recognized this. He wrote, he wrote, uh, 
many nonfiction apologetics. Uh, very famously, what was the series of radio addresses? Mere Christianity that he gave during the war that were later published. And it's a very famous book of apologetics. But but he understood that that actually people, um, people's guard may be up to nonfiction mm. arguments for Christianity. Mm. But when their, their guard is down, um, um, when they encounter fiction. And so he felt like his most powerful uh, apology for Christianity was a book called Till We Have Faces. Um, in which it, there's a pagan world of gods and goddesses. And if you can believe that there is an unseen world, um, then he felt he could get you to believe in a God that became man and died for you. Uh, and so if you can, if you can buy into an imaginative world in which there is more than we, more than we can currently see, um, then you have fertile ground for the gospel to come in. Um, because our God is a God who rises from the dead, which is, how can we believe that, right? And it promises that through that power, we will once again rise from the dead. And uh, yeah, all of Walt Disney's classic movies are movies of powerful imagination. Um, and even think of like Pinocchio. Um, there's a parable. I don't, I don't know if any, this is just occurring to me just now, Christopher, but I wonder, there's probably some, a great paper to be written or a book to be written, uh, Maybe a book would be too long, but Pinocchio is a as a metaphor for Christianity. It probably has been written. Yeah, and maybe it was well, explicitly. Maybe the writers actually had that in mind, or it was subconsciously underneath. Right? Um, think of the grievous sin and error that he falls into, um, and uh, and nonetheless is saved from his kind of halfway state of being an animated puppet to being a real boy. Spoiler: Sorry if you haven't seen Pinocchio. <laughs> So, and I, I think this is a through line through many of the classic Disney films, right? So, I, I, I realize that I'm looking at the clock here, that I've been monologuing, talking about Disney, when Disney has been a particular favorite of yours, Christopher. Um, I know this was kind of a, a segment where we didn't have a lot of notes written down. So, um, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, well, this is just an unsubtle uh, <laughs> attempt for me to get you, the listener, to watch Moana, if you have So, <laughs> watch it. It's it's an amazing film. Uh the, the music is, is great. Um, it's very funny. Uh, the animation is, is gorgeous. I mean, the, so the ocean is actually a character and, um, and, and it's beautiful. Um, it, 3d animation, uh, has come a long way since, mm -hmm. since toy story and a bug's life. Um, and, uh, I think there are parts of Moana that, that are, well, almost the whole of Moana is, is, is just basically the peak of, of 3d animation. So that in itself is, is an accomplishment, but um, yeah, it, it just uh, Disney plus has been a wonderful uh, investment for us. Um, uh, it's interesting. Isaac is a big fan of, of Pixar movies. So uh, Disney purchased Pixar. Pixar used to be a separate studio right. um, and, and still kind of has its own th thing. It's, 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 it's different. And, and what they do is they, they kind of take a, an interesting concept. And, and they, the, the guy, John Lasseter, who was at the helm of, right. of that studio for, for many years, uh, just the way that they ran things was really interesting how um, they would take just an interesting idea. And the, the idea wasn't to just put out movies, put out movies, put out movies. And I understand it's become a bit of a sequel factory. But what made that studio so interesting is their, their willingness to just work on an idea until it worked. Um, rather than the, the pressure to actually put it out, put out a movie and, and then get get paid. That's for right. It. That's right. So so they were willing to totally go totally rewrite a movie if it just if it didn't work. If that mm. makes sense. So they, they might be two years into a project and they're like, eh, like this this really doesn't work. And so as a result, like the movies are incredibly creative, like Inside Out, where you have uh, battling emotions inside of a head and and the, the, matura the process of maturation, understanding that it's sadness is going to come and, and that's just kind of a part of growing up and, and, and maturing. Or mm. or Wally. -E. Interestingly, mm -hmm. Wally -E is one of Isaac's favorite movies. Uh, not a lot of dialogue in the first half of, of Wally. -E. Um, right. And it's a very creative idea. Um, and so it's interesting how how um, Pixar as a studio has has really connected with our six year old son. What's the movie uh, with the emotions? Inside Out. Inside Out. Uh, that that really struck my wife. Uh, very very powerfully acknowledging that um, sadness is such an important informative emotion. Again, the memory mm -hmm. tie in, right? Mm -hmm. So so sadness, if you recall, um, keeps getting elbowed out, mm -hmm. and uh, 
all, all the other emotions. Joy's other, like, I, uh, I I run the show. Like, yeah. We want Riley to be happy. So. Yeah. And she's like, sadness, what are you doing? Like, stop touching this. Like, you know, yeah. we don't want Riley to be sad. But... Right. That sadness is a destructive force. Mm-hmm. Um, that a force that is going to bring the character down. And uh, and the realization at the end of the show is that um, our sad memories are really important to our identity as adults. Mm-hmm. And that, and that um, you do no good by trying to make all sad things go away. But part of being human is in is allowing those sad moments to fully, properly, richly integrate and form who we are and form our memories and our identities. Um, and that's, that's a very, very human and, and Christian acknowledgement. I mean, you cannot uh, pray the Psalms mm-hmm. without recognizing that, mm-hmm. um, that, that it's a Christian vision of human existence is that sadness shapes us and our crying out to God um, is something that our Lord loves. Mm-hmm. And crying out to God in in our sadness, um, yeah. You mentioned Pixar. Uh, we probably saw the Golden Age. John Lasseter mm-hmm. um, kind of was was one of the the people that that fell in the wave of Me Too allegations. And I don't, I don't. You probably were up on this more than me, Christopher. It seems, it seemed he was he was less of a Harvey Weinstein character and more of um like a grown child, mm-hmm. right? He had a kind of a childish sense of wonder, mm-hmm. which was partly what made uh, Pixar Studio such a a sui generous, unlikely place and a creative had that he created that creative ferment mm-hmm. and where he, people could be just children and come up with whatever, follow their imagination wherever it led. Um, but as a result, I gather he didn't fully understand boundaries and would, was he was just kind of huggy. I don't know. I there's no reason to go down that that road. <laughs> that was my thought. But yeah, but yeah, it's, it was for so many years. It's a very very creative place, and I uh, I remember uh remember memory um and, and we'll kind of close with this uh sure i remember staying in a hotel in billings montana with you guys mm. and after a long day of driving got a hotel a couple rooms next to each other um on our, on our way back from a cousin's wedding uh, out in washington state and flipped on the tv to i think freeform channel and uh ratatouille was on yes and isaac um <laughs> really gravitate like he just thought that movie was great um except like he didn't know what it was called did you do you remember what he called it <laughs> no sneaky mouse that's great yeah man. yeah we got back in the car and he's like i want to watch sneaky mouse um because <laughs> he was like sneaking around yeah that makes sense i love it christopher that's a that's a great memory a fun happy memory to uh to end on uh let's uh let's close in prayer the lord be with you and with your spirit O God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O God, the source of all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works. Give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week. Next week, Christopher.